0: Okay, we're good. Cool. Hello and welcome to the Oncast Grand Rewatch. Today, in preparation for Toy Story 4, we're discussing the original Toy Story trilogy, starring Tim Hanks and Tim, uh, Tim Hanks? Tom Hanks. Tim Allen. Tom. Tim. Tim Hanks. Funny guy, Tim Hanks. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, God. It was all going so well. I got ahead of myself. Right. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Omcast Grand Rewatch Today, in preparation for Toy Story 4 We're discussing the original Toy Story trilogy Starring Tom Hanks and Tim Allen There we go There you go Toy Story T-Story Toy Story Tim St- I mean, Stony. Yeah, I mean where do we begin with Toy Story? I mean, it, it's legendary at this point as a, as a set of movies. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously the fact that the original Toy Story came out in 1995 um, and was the first film created entirely with commuter animation and launched Pixar, which now has become an absolute institution, um, like separate to the Disney Well, it's become like. its own verb. Yeah. You <laughs> know, it's the, the Pixar way. Yeah, Exactly. And it started with this, and it was something they, it took them like five years to make that first movie. Yeah. Um, I remember reading something about it the other day saying like Tom Hanks was recording stuff for it back in 1991. Yeah. But the film didn't come out four years after that. And it was, yeah, I mean, absolutely revolutionary, changed everything. Uh huh. Um, And then here we are now, like, well, almost, almost 25 years later, getting ready for the fourth one. Um, and to say that, and with every movie as well, they pushed it even further. Yeah, both in terms of the technology and what and the way the films look, but also in the storytelling and the and the depth y- of it. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, that's the thing. They've always been at like, they've always been like the on the, like the real cutting edge of everything. Mm. From like you say, the visual effects, the storytelling, the way that the narratives intertwine one another, the way that. The storytelling has matured with the audiences as well. Yeah, in a real time
0: scale. Yeah, because the, the the biggest thing I guess is that there was that, and same again. Then I haven't realize I didn't realize until going back now what a big gap it's been between three and four. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so we had Toy Story one in ninety five, and then it took the, it was nineteen ninety nine when Toy Story two came out, um, and yeah, because it was the first one was obviously a massive hit. It won awards. It made a shitload of money. Yeah. Um, It also like, it was the most one of the cleverest thing they could have done, in terms of franchising and merchandise. Yes. Because it just sells itself. It's such a no-brainer idea, isn't Mm -hmm. it? If you make a film about toys aimed at kids, what are you going to do? You're going to sell a bunch of toys. Yeah, and that's. And and there was like we in my household we had um, a Buzz Lightyear and a Woody. I believe both of them. To my brother Joe, who Joe, hello if you're listening, yeah. um, to a point where we still have the Buzz Lightyear apparently. Yeah, the Buzz Lightyear is missing Buffy's feet in a weird thing that I don't know. They've got like a hinge on them, and they snapped off, but everyone had one of them to a point where they like you couldn't get hold of them when the first one came out. It was like it was the toys I have and they kept selling out. And then yeah. they make a joke about that in yeah. Toy Story 2, which is great. Um, but then after that, so they did Toy Story 2 in 1999 and then there was nothing. In terms of Toy Story, they continue. Pixar just went through the roof in terms of they were producing about one movie a year and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, and they were doing things like Finding Nemo, yeah, which was just again another technical marvel, and then things like Up, which like was one of the most heartbreaking things you've ever seen. Yeah, and I mean they, that's that's yeah, it's uh, amazing. But then eventually they got back round to Toy Story again in two thousand ten, mm-hmm. and Toy Story three came out, and Toy Story three is. T- like it's a masterpiece I I don't use that word lightly but like good god is that a good film I watched it yeah. obviously we watched them all again this week but damn it that film is amazing they all are each, each of them in this series um, and I think that's reflected in like when you look at their like their Rotten Tomato schools and stuff yeah they're on 100% 100% and 99% yeah <laughs> like I mean they're,
1: they're pretty they are sort of immortalised within sort of a Couple of generations of people as being yeah. like definitive. Well, like, what's your favorite animated film? What's your favorite? You yeah. know, it's Toy Story. Yeah, it's a exactly Pixar it? film. It's Toy Story. Yeah, everyone Absolutely. loves Toy Story.
0: Yeah, it's, that's the I'm,
1: universal praise. I've never met a single person that's been like Toy Story is a bit rubbish.
0: It, yeah, it, everyone loves it. It's one of those things like this weekend is obviously Toy Story falls out, and people from all different. You know, ages and and um, or whatever. People who have kids, people who don't have kids, everyone's gonna go see it. Yeah, everyone's excited for it. Everyone wants to see it. There is a bit of trepidation about this one, but I feel there was the same when Toy Story three was being you know starting to be mooted a little bit. Yeah, in that we're worried that why would you make another one? And I think that's particularly because of Toy Story three, the way they what they did with Toy Story three.
1: Yeah, Toy Story three especially has. What I would consider like a definitive ending.
0: Yeah, and in in that sense, it, the three films make an, an almost a perfect trilogy. Yeah, I would say like they're up there in terms of yeah. movie trilogies. They're up there as a perfect beginning, middle, and end, and that's it. Yep. So then, we, when they say, "Oh, we're doing Toy Story 4, you worry. You can't help it. You go, "Why though?" Yeah. But similar to how I feel about Marvel. With Pixar, I have such faith in them as a studio mm-hmm. that I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and go, if they're making a fourth one, they've got a good reason to do it. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's one of the sort of one of my because you and I are both of the school of thoughts that we do have that sort of faith and trust in studios. But one of the sort of issues that I've got is that I'm like, I don't know if I want a fourth. Yeah. And this is me being completely frank. This is the day before that we're gonna see it, you know. So we've got like what, about twelve hours ish.
0: Yeah. Before we go before we it, go yeah. and
1: see it. So this is me being completely open about this on recording. There is part of me that's like, I don't care about this film. I don't I'm not interested in where it goes or what happens with it. Because Toy Story is finished for me.
0: Yeah, it's kind right. of
1: like that sort of... I'm like, well, Toy Story... Like, I want to see it because it's another Toy Story film, but at the same time, it's kind of over for me. I don't know. It, that I don't was think. it. It tied it up in such a way that... Like, Toy Story 2 is my favourite of the three. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, which we'll get into sort of reasons for that later, but it's it's got like a start and an end point to it, and it's got l- the literal handing over of the toys themselves rather than sort of a figurative torch.
0: Yeah. I think they're I don't being know, passed
1: like... on to Bonnie. And then I was like, okay, so now this is Bonnie's story. And is this going to be, is, is Bonnie our new generation of kids that are having this passed over to? Because is it still in real time? How old's Bonnie now? Where's, where's, where's all this going to go from here? What's going to happen? There's so many questions that I've got that I'm like, I kind of would have preferred it not to. And this isn't me hating on the film. This is me saying, I genuinely don't know what they're going to do with this yeah. in any way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah. So the, I mean, it would be really interesting to see what our reactions are coming out of this because yeah. I've heard that you know, not I haven't read anything too much, but I've heard that good things basically. Yeah. Um, but with my to my mind, like rewatching them again this week, I do feel like the world that they've created and the sort of the the lore of it all, if you like, mm-hmm. about. The toys that come alive and that exist in our world, and all the nuances of that, and the questions it raises, does open itself up for more exploration, and even within the characters themselves. So it, the, the characters that we're invested in, are, it's not really Andy. The characters that we care about is Buzz and Woody. Yeah, particularly Woody. Woody is the is the lead of this yeah. series. So so to see him go through like the crises, like like Toy Story Two is a perfect mm-hmm. example of that. Toy Story Two is when he starts to really he starts to think about the future and has an identity crisis. Essentially, is what happens in Toy Story Two, and I feel like there is so much more to explore. Well, in he does that in the world. first as well. Yeah, it? yeah, he does.
1: I mean, it's it's a series of Woody having crises that he needs to resolve, yeah, in his own way by by recognizing what's more important to him, yeah, because that whilst there are other arcs that exist within that, we do focus on Woody with the whole sense of the packages being tied into one. Mm. So one begins with him questioning everything about his life because, as far as he's aware, Andy's always been there. and he's always been his kid. And then Buzz comes along and he feels threatened by that. And yeah. he's got the jealousy that goes with Andy being taken away from him and him being replaced with Buzz and him being put on the shelf. Happens again, too. Gets injured, it gets hurt, damaged, as however you want to refer to it. Gets put on the shelf, starts to worry from there, then finds a new family to bring on board, mm. and then gets brought back to Andy because his family turn up and they're like, We're your family. Like, these people are
0: all great. But I think, yeah, that's the the thing with t- what gets me about, too, is that. With one, it was quite an into the story because it was all about just what well, the the dynamics of Andy's room and the politics of Andy's room, if you like. Yeah, because it's like who's the number one toy? You know, Woody. Yeah, Buzz comes along, and upsets everything, and everything gets thrown out. And to my mind, Mr Potato Head is the true villain of Toy Story One.
1: <laughs> yeah he is he's a piece of shit he's a piece of shit throughout all of them you look he at is. what some of the stuff he does in 3 as well <laughs>
0: um, but I don't know I think he becomes more of a team player later on but in Toy Story 1 he is so willing because he sees his opportunity to get rid of both Buzz and Woody yeah. and become anyway that's besides the point um, so but he, he does yeah. the same he, like, he's so
1: quick to turn on people that are yeah. within his family yeah that you just think you're a piece of shit and then when he's and then like he's the reluctant father to the three aliens and he's like he didn't want anything to do with them until his wife was like oh we should take care of them and then he's like oh okay oh, well if it helps me get laid <laughs> but that's the problem like but that's the thing like there is these there is it's such this rich wealth of politics within the entire toy story phenomena that it is like I've been thinking about it all week. It's like, how do you structure Andy's room? How do you structure Andy? How do you structure where everybody sits and how everybody goes from it? Because is Andy a deity to them? He's their yeah. kid, yeah. But they are marked by him, and
0: yeah. But then that's that's kind of what fascinates me, and that's why I am like so much louder than you on this recording.
1: Okay. So apologies for that. Don was a little bit quiet because
0: we didn't do a proper sound test. We were too busy being dicks. Yep, yeah, pretty much, um, like Mr Potato Head. Um, but that's what I mean. Like, and watching it again, and like, and you think about like the villains of it. Yeah. Like, when I say the villains, I mean the the toy villains. Mm-hmm. People like so in two you had Stinky Pete, and then in three it was Lotso Hug and Bear, and they are they are quite they're like. Completely relatable, completely understandable villains. In some ways, they're like more nuanced and like and interesting to think about than some of the villains we get in Marvel movies.
1: They are. Wait, well, they're like, far
0: more far more interesting. Because, but then that's what interests me about them going forward. Like what I would like to see, and I, I don't think they're ever going to do this because the kids is obviously the movies are aimed at kids. But I would love to see what happens to or what happens to Stinky Pete in terms of that bitterness and that sort of that anger that they have towards their situation yeah. happen to one of our core characters. Yeah. Like, you, because like, basically what happens to Lotso is that he gets replaced.
1: Yeah.
0: He comes, he makes his, he gets left behind by his kid mm-hmm. and travels home and then he gets, re- he's been replaced because the other thing that is all about is the basically the um, commercial, the commercialism of the toy industry. And yeah. the fact that, like one of his lines is, we're all just trash waiting to be thrown away. Yeah. And, yeah, he's right. Like, do you know what I mean, like that's that's the thing that the the villains are right in a lot of these things. They're, mm-hmm. they're not wrong, and I would like what would be the reaction if something like that happened to like Buzz? Like Buzz was that we know was a mass-produced toy. We saw that in Toy Story 2. Yep. He There was hundreds. So what happens if Andy loses his Buzz Lightyear mm-hmm. and he's distraught? He doesn't know what to do about it. His mum buys him a new one. Mm-hmm. Our Buzz comes home. Yeah. And finds Andy's just playing with a new Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. What does that do? What's the doubt? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's things like that that they can really dig into. And I know, like particularly in 4, from what we've seen from the trailers, they're bringing back Bo Peep, mm-hmm. who was a character that existed in 1 and 2 and then disappeared between 2 and 3, along with a lot of the other supporting characters. Yeah. And that, like, what's her story? What happened to her in the last 10 years? Yeah. And that's those are the things that think I think will keep the franchise going in terms of how do toys experience the world.
1: Yeah, and that's I mean, that's one of the sort of the really interesting parts because the way that you look at sort of Pixar as a whole, and this is taking a slight step back, I can't really think of a Pixar film where there's a definitive an actual villain rather than an antagonist.
0: Syndrome? I mean, Syndrome is a, but is a the common, thing, but, but...
1: Yeah, but the, but if you think about it in the way that it's set up, in, in any Pixar film, they aren't sort of moustache-twirling evil.
0: Or about the villain from Incredibles 2? She was pretty moustache-twirly.
1: Yeah, and that's... I suppose, actually, I didn't really think about that. Because that's the thing, you look at a lot of them and they tend to be just dark reflections. Yeah. They're like, if this person didn't have this perfect way. Yeah. If they didn't have the privilege that Woody and Buzz had. Yeah. And you know, some of the some of the things that happen... I mean, I mean, like, when you look at what happens to Stinky Pete... Yeah. He gets taken by a girl who likes to draw on her toys. And that's bad for him because he's always been so concerned about being pristine and being mint in box. Yeah. But then the sort of the deceleration of how bleak it gets when you think that Lotso is just tied to the front of a truck. Forever. like yeah. Forever, until he literally falls apart.
0: Yeah.
1: And this is one of the sort of the questions that I've got about the sort of the existentialism within the Toy Story universe, is when does something become, become sentient? And yeah. what happens? Do they die? Do we see this change? Is there a a, de- a like a permanent death is it complete obliteration or is it if a part of him survives and does does the, does the rest of it as we've seen in the first with Sid's creations
0: yeah and, and where where is there yeah exactly and then you start getting into there's so much like minutiae you can get into there is, it's like yeah. where is there humanity if you like in like you say Sid's toys in the first film he like basically takes the heads off them and puts them on different bodies and stuff yeah. so it's like right well if you've taken if you took Woody's head off of him, and then put it on, like, Buzz. Buzz's body, would he still be Woody? Yeah. Would he, have, would he talk like Tom Hanks, and would he, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and what I mean?
1: that's what I mean, is that there, there's this such such depth there for things to be explored. And, like, when you say about, like, the antagonist characters, Yeah. This is sort of slightly to bring it back, because I'd sort of trod on your point a bit, <laughs> but... Oh, I'm I used to it, it's fine. Oh, fuck off, come, <laughs> come from me. Sandbagger.
0: I don't uh, sandbag, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, of my T sixteen, they're not much bigger than two meters. Yeah. Um
1: But yeah, saying about the sort of the antagonists, there are points where they are sympathetic and they do sort of humanize them. Mm. And the way you look at stuff like Jessie's sort oh, yeah. of origin story, if you will, yeah. That she was locked in a box for years, and you think that's awful because there's there are points that are like in 3 when they put Mr. Potato Head in the pit overnight yeah or in the box sorry in the box overnight yeah. and he comes out and he's pretty shaken up by it and everyone's like oh my god I can't believe they did that Jessie was in there for years yeah and she came out with that same optimism and same brightness and cheer that she's always got yeah it goes to, it, i think what it is it's there to do is to attest to the strength of the the protagonist that we've got Rather than the antagonist and by taking on the sort of the optimism that the best characters have will bring you to be that hero and to find that happiness yeah rather than sitting on resentment and seething with it and having that control you and define you yeah is what I think is sort of the strength with these three mm. I, I mean, think what... it's less so in one because it was a bad kid blowing up toys yeah but Especially two and three. Yeah. Which is why like I I like I love all three of them, but two just slightly pips it for me. Yeah. Just because it's this such so much bigger world that we see.
0: And just the the step up in animation, just like I remember when you go when having watching them like back to back, like ah yeah this week and you've done the same. When you put Toy Story Two on. And it starts the way it starts in space with the giant like that, like and yeah. a big score going, and you just feel like, oh god, it's like it's like a sequelitis. Yeah, they've they've got always all got a bit much from. And then like Buzz turns up and he's in space and he's flying and like it's the the level of the animation just blows your mind. Yeah, like, the, the thing that it's like they're showing off, like the bit where he like is he's, he's got his jetpack and he's about to land on the planet and you just see all the rocks underneath him just spreading out in a perfect pattern. And, like, yeah, and you're just like. Like jaw on the floor, like oh my god, <laughs> yeah. oh my god! Like how did this happen? Like,
1: They've like, gone to the effort of like designing sort of thrust,
0: yeah, like just, movement, everything and about and it, like the, there's, there's like dust and there's I like, just like to go from it's such a massive step up from what they've done previously, yeah. Because the only thing they did in between was they did do Bugs Life, yeah, which is a good little movie, and it's like it's kind of forgotten. No, Bugs about. Life is great, though. yeah. It's kind so, of well, forgotten And that about. is
1: another thing that sort. of... Treads on my point earlier is that Hopper in that is just a definitive villain. Yeah. So
0: it's true. But
1: yeah, and I think, but yeah, like you say, there is this marked quality in it. It kind of makes me think that this is it might be a little bit intentional that they've done that at the start because they're sort of they're saying, look, this is what we can do now. Yeah. Get used to it. Yeah. Well, don't just think. Christ, that looks amazing. Get used to it. Yeah, it's still brilliant. It's literally like, but pay attention to everything else. That's after what I love. This. It's
0: because what it then ends up turns out being is that it's Rex playing the Buzz Lightyear video game. Yeah, so it's not actually in the in the world of the movie no. or whatever. but they just it is like you say it is like them setting out their launch and going, look, yeah, we stepped up. Yeah. Okay, this is what we're dealing with now. All right, it's like like literally like grabbing you by the scruff your neck and going. This is gonna be insane to look at. Just yeah. just getting get on board right now. Um and yeah, 2 two's great. Two is amazing. Um and like you say, it very much goes right, expanding out the world. Yeah. In the first in the first movie, they literally there were three locations. It was Andy's room, Pizza Planet, Sid's room. Yeah. Pretty much, or Sid's house. And that's it. Uh-huh. By the time you get to two, they're going out in the street they're going to a toy store, they're going to an apartment building and all like, the intricacies of how the apartment building works are like yeah. in the vents and in the in the um, elevator shaft and and then they go to an airport. Yeah. <laughs> like that sequence where they go in through the, through the, uh, what's it, the conveyor belt with all the... Um,
1: the luggage.
0: <laughs> luggage. And it's just like, again, you're showing off. Think how many different moving parts you have in this one yeah. shot. But it then could... you think about
1: that. that, that is even the way that, They've done that. That is set, then shown again in Monsters Inc. Yeah, with the door. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you think about the yeah. They might have done it again, but what they've done is they've demonstrated how far they've come by doing something really, really simple. Yeah, that catches you off guard because you're like, "Oh, I thought these guys are great. These guys, holy shit!" Yeah, everything is moving in here. Every single thing in this has been programmed. Yeah, individually. And like you say, it opened up the world. Yeah. It didn't just, because that's the thing. There was, when Toy Story first came out, it was amongst the first few films that I saw at the cinema. And it was one of those ones that I watched and my friends and I were like, oh, that's amazing. And you you would say about, oh, if this is what my toys do and stuff like that. Yeah. And you're like, oh, is it just like in Andy's head? And is it like Andy's story? Is he just making it up? Because yeah. we were like, oh, obviously toys aren't real. But are they real? Are they? They should. But they should become come alive, and you talk to your toys and try and encourage them. But yeah. there was less of a. There was more mysticism in one. Yeah. Especially at the point when Woody and the rest of the toys confront Sid. Oh yeah. yeah which yeah. is this just absolute breakout moment? Yeah. That in two you see these things again, and you're like, no, these are alive because they're having an effect on the wider world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah they yeah.
1: are leaving footprints. It, like, as simple as that, they're leaving footprints in dirt and like they're moving leaves and they got a bit of tape stuck to them, and people and they, are yeah. recognizing things happen.
0: They have their own agency and they have their own, yeah, yeah. Like you said, there's no, not necessarily a kid around at all times that would explain it away in uh-huh. terms of, oh, it's all going on in his head, yeah. Um, yeah, and like, and but then even expanding, like, not only do they expand the world in terms of the locations and the, and the story that they're telling, it's also stuff like they start getting into other elements of. Toys and how toys exist in the real world. And what I mean yeah. by that is, like, not only is there the whole aspect of you're a toy, you have an owner who's the kid that, and then you have the kid, and then they grow up, maybe, and that's the whole thing they get into. But they also get into Al and toy collectors, adult toy collectors, yeah, and toy museums, and that whole element of mm-hmm. it, which is a whole nother segment of. So, like, wh- what happens, like, the because the, the plot of Toy Story 2 is basically that Woody gets stolen by this guy, Al, who is a toy collector, who finds this Sheriff Woody doll and steals him because it turns out that Woody is actually a very rare doll from an old TV show back in like the 1950s, 1940- 50s. Um, and he's very, very valuable as part of a set, and he has a whole set of other characters. is Jesse, Stinky Pete, and Bullseye. But then that gets into the whole thing of, right, well, they're going to be sold off and put into a display cabinet. And that means that, right, then you start thinking about, right, well, there's lots of other toys like that. There's lots of, like, you think about, like, sl- uh, what are they called? Sideshow collectibles, stuff yeah. like that. These incredibly detailed, very value- very expensive toys that are just for display only that sit there. And that's a whole other part of the society that you don't really get into. Yeah. And like, I want to see, like, I would love to see a Toy Story movie where it's like, let's go to that um, toy museum in Japan that they were going to get sold to and do a prison break and get all the toys out. Yeah. <laughs> because the, the life that they were going to be left with was to be basically sat behind glass on display forever. Yeah. And that's what Dinky Pete wants. Yes, yeah. That's how he, tra- he tries and to convince Woody to do it because he's like, you're going to be enjoyed by children for generations. Um,
1: you're going to be loved. Yeah. Forever. And you think, and that's one of the things that, sort of you get to is you're like toys are meant to be played with toys are meant to yeah be broken toys are meant to you know that's what happens yeah that's what happens to these things and it's about enjoying what you have yeah and it's like without getting too far into sort of the, the sort of mindful aspects and stuff and any of the messages that they bring the point of being present and enjoying what you have into is so much more important than Whatever your purpose, you believe it to yeah. be.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. They really they boil everything down into it and literally, like, it really gets properly like existential because it is Woody figuring out what his purpose in life is. Yeah, where he fits, and then communicating that and dis- and it disseminates out from Woody, and, and that, that has been and that's the continuation of the thing that then goes from two into three. Yeah, because he like convinces Jesse that look yeah you' you're all right about this whole thing. kids do grow up and we might get thrown aside, but that's not what it's all about what it's all about is being there for them when they need us, yeah, and that's the thing, and that's the the connection and there's that amazing line like one of the one of the best sequences, and I know you talked about this earlier is Jesse's backstory, yeah, and that's where they get into the whole what happens when your kid grows up? Story, which is heartbreaking, and it is probably the first proper tear-jerking, heartbreaking thing seen in a in a Pixar movie. I think, yeah, uh, which is something they've then since become known for. Like in almost every Pixar movie, there's going to be something that makes you cry. Yeah, um, but this this was this scene where she goes through with Emily, but she has this one line in it where she says, "When they're playing with you, and." even though you're not moving, you feel like you're alive because yeah. that's how they see you. And it's just like, Oh God. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's, 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 and that, and that is just so, and it's so dear. And like, you can start applying that to other things. Like in real life It's like their p- reason for living is because of the way someone else looks at them. Yeah. And that's just like, that can be applied to any kind of you know, family. Yeah. Life yeah. Or anything. Absolutely. I mean, like, that's
1: the thing that's about having that purpose. And that's one of the reasons that I love two so much it's like they do take that on in three as well when they get to the point where that circumstance has matured, but in two it's about it's so much more about this it works on so many layers because there's like this whole parental aspect to it as well, yeah, and they're like yeah your your daughter might move on you know, like yeah. I was saying earlier about the sort of you know, the children being deified, but also they've, they're essentially their employers, but at the same time, they're their children as their children as well. Yeah, it's
0: like, they consider it their duty. to sit, yeah. like I think there's that, there's a, again, like that's the sentiment that they echo in three is with the, the soldiers as, yeah. the, as the soldiers leave and they go, the war's over and he's grown up. Yeah. Like we've done our job. Yeah. It's like the idea that this is their purpose and they're having fulfilled their purpose. Then they've got to move on. Yeah. Um, but that I think is what interests me about 4 potentially and what could happen next is that they've been very much, the toys themselves have been very much driven by a, a completely selfless drive to be there for Andy and be there for someone else and be, and yeah. be that but which is amazing and is a great like sort of role model thing for kids and all mm-hmm. the rest of it. But my question I guess is what happens when they start thinking about themselves a bit more?
1: Well that's... That's the thing. That's like the natural progression for me is that, that's where I presume they're going with four.
0: Yeah. Because when does Woody start going? Okay, well, but what about me? Yeah. What what what's my best? I've done, all he's ever done, and all he is dedicate himself to a child to be there for a child. Mm-hmm. That was Andy to start with, and then now in the new sort of moving on is Bonnie, because they have this handing over, and he would have the same attitude to Bonnie that he would to Andy. Mm-hmm. I can only assume. But then what happens when if he's confronted with the idea that, but you could do, what What about what you want? Sort yeah. is, kind of, like you say, it's that maternal thing about, you put your whole, your life and your aspirations and your dreams have all been on hold because you had a child, essentially. It's that kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. And then, okay, now the child's gone, what do you want to do? Yeah, so it's like the empty nest syn- yeah, exactly.
1: syndrome. And it is, it's really smartly done because it's, like you say, it's, Where do the toys go from here? How do they push through with their lives? Mm. Do they have their own lives? We've seen in the trailer that Woody and Bo Peep reconnect. Yeah. But Bo Peep's got trousers on. Yeah. And and not the big dress that she had on before. She's changed
0: and like what's happened
1: to her? That's the What's happened to her flock? What's happened to this? What's happened to that? How has she matured in this outside world on her own without a child?
0: Yeah. And that's, that's the big question, isn't it? Is that, is like, if these, again, cause you start thinking about the wider aspects of it is like, well, these toys, you know, regardless of what they were originally made for, they are sentient thinking, feeling yeah. beings. Yeah. And they could have that. They have that could have their entirely their own society. And this is again, something they sort of kind of explored. That's what they do in three. Mm-hmm. When you get to Sunnyside at Sunnyside daycare, they have a complete, they take that, that, little nugget of an idea of a toy society that they have in their own little rooms, like with Andy's room in the first movie. And they expand that out and make it much bigger. And it's to a point where like, it's like an oppressive regime. And that's the thing. Yeah.
1: And it's going back to the point that I previously raised is that
0: you, you take out the
1: optimism and the positivity that Woody has. Yeah. And that faith that Woody has as Andy, as a great kid or, or as an appropriate deity or As a good boss, if you put that, if you put cynicism in that, like Lotso has, then you're going to end up with a very different society because it becomes very selfish. And if you note they're all about, no, oh, okay, you guys got that. It's okay. When you can find someone that can take it, you know, you guys are doing the right thing. When you can do this, you're doing the right thing. You're the good guy. You're this, you're this. It's just gaslighting behaviour that they're putting into and saying that, you know, when you find someone that you think is appropriate to take this on, then come find us. So it's just saying, until your positivity is beaten out of you by these kids, just get on with it. Yeah, We've all been there. We've all done it. Yeah. It's not about putting out the right message it's about being selfish and saying well I, I i dealt with a tough situation so you just got to buck up and get on with it yeah that's not an approach that's not a good way to live your life because right. you're not setting any sort of positive example for anyone no. especially not when they've got these constantly new things coming in like you say it is this regime it's really oppressive they're constantly being watched by the symbol monkey and the yeah and the trucks driving around at night, yeah, and you see the breakouts and stuff. And that, that's when you
0: start getting into like, right, yeah. So all of these individual actors are actors. They are they've got their own agency, they've got their own thing, but they answer to someone, and they've got a job to do, and they've got mm-hmm. a certain role in society. And like, Jesus, what does this mean? Like, yeah. are there are there toy societies out there that are completely separate from human society? Yeah. They're not even in buildings. They they have their own. We don't know. Like, what if, like, even in like things like the landfill, when they go to the landfill at the end, yeah, there could be in a whole network of thrown away toys in there? They've got a whole sort of well, exactly, there's a city of them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's uh, think about the, how many hundreds of thousands of toys that are going to be there. Well, that's another little fan theory, like, because there's plenty of fan theories about um Toy yeah. Story to segue a little bit, but one of them I like is that we do see in Toy Story 3 the trash man who comes and picks up all the toys at one point mm. is Sid.
1: Y- yeah. I mean, in, it's never been confirmed. Oh, but come in, on. It's got to be, isn't it? It's a guy in a zero t-shirt. It's a guy
0: wearing the same t-shirt and like, and he's listening to like rock music and all the rest. Yeah. Of it. And he's like, they wouldn't have done, they knew, they know full well that we were all going to jump to that conclusion. Yeah. And then people then theorized again, it's like a fan theory that the reason he became a trash man is because after his experience in Toy Story 1, when he realized the toys were alive, he became a garbage man so that he could save toys. Yeah. And they were, when they sort of get in front of Okay. That's quite a nice little fan theory. It will never be confirmed. No. It will never ever be confirmed. But it's a nice little fan theory. Um,
1: but it's like it's yeah, it's like any of the fan theories, isn't it? It's about, you know, whilst Pixar does exist within sort of an interconnected universe, mm. what what, where and how exactly everything is will never be confirmed because it would allow this sort of domino effect of sort of logical fallacies or plot holes to exist. Yeah. Whereas at the moment they're allowing people's own imagination to be the magic. Yeah.
0: Which is so much more about what it's about. True, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it's interesting because like, there are some that are like quite innocuous little um, sort of in- interconnected things like there's the pizza planet truck. Yeah. And the ball with the star mm. on it and there's little visual things that they just pop into every movie. Yeah. But then there are ones that are deeper and more sort of specific to that particular movie so there's a lots of different theories about Andy's dad yeah and his mum for that matter actually there's loads of theories because there's one theory going around that the girl, Emily the girl that leaves Jesse behind is in fact Andy's mum and the part of one of the biggest oh, okay. th- sort of pieces of evidence for that is the fact that you see her wearing the the hat in the flashback when you see Emily she's wearing a hat which is red with white trim and that is the same hat that andy then wears in toy story one toy story two he doesn't wear a hat that looks like woody's hat he wears a hat that looks like jesse's hat yeah and it's the same one that the little girl wore okay and that's there's the theory that and that even ties in even further back into there's there's a there's a really good theory and it's potentially got some truth to it about andy's dad yeah. And I won't get into it too much because it's quite long. But it actually came from one of the storyboard artists from Pixar, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, a guy called John Ranth. Uh, let me make sure I get his name right because I don't want to. He's the guy, he did the voice of Wheezy. Okay. Wheezy. Yeah, uh, sorry, Joe. Joe Ranth. So it's uh, Um And he he actually, unfortunately, passed away quite young. Um, but he worked on Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 2. And he, in a sort of... He sat down with a friend of his and gave his whole theory, I guess you could say, of what the whole story of Andy's dad was. And it's quite involved. I'll, what I'll do is I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes for what it is. Yeah. Uh, but essentially it's about how the reason that Woody is so important to Andy is that it was actually Andy's dad's toy that he right. gave to him. And Andy's dad then has since passed away. Yeah. Um and it it gets very, very detailed. It actually explains a lot of different things. Like the fact that they're moving in Toy Story 1 is because they're actually in Andy's dad's parents' house and, they're moved, and they went back there whilst he was ill. Okay. Pictures on the wall are of Andy's dad as a kid, not Andy, because you see there are pictures of a kid there with glasses and like Andy doesn't wear glasses. Who's that? Those are little details in there. So it does let me to believe that it's actually probably the closest we have to the truth. But then... Conversely, we've had another director on the movies and another storyboard artist, a guy called Andrew Stanton, uh-huh. who's quite a big boy at um, Pixar, retweeted that article when it came out and said, "This is fake news." Really? Yeah, and has never said another word about it since. Okay. But it's very it's interesting because the way that they talk about it, they like the, when the guys do their interview, they talk about this John Ran- Joe Rantz guy and said he was a good friend of mine. And he told me this story and I'm gonna tell you. And they get quite emotional about it and they cause he, you know, because the guys passed away and they, they yeah. were good friends. And I would like to believe that what they're saying is true. Yeah. Because if it's not, then it's really, really disrespectful and out of order. Yeah. But no one's ever gone any further than to say what Andrew Stanton did, which was just to say this is fake news. Yeah. And he hasn't gone any further than that. Um but that's kind of besides the point, that's kind of stuff outside of the world of the movies. Yeah. But it is an interesting story and I would encourage anyone to sort of look it up if you've got any sort of interest in it.
1: Definitely. I mean, one of the things that i sort of saying about sort of Pixar on the outside rather than going back into the films too quickly, one thing I always, always love is the seeding. Mm. So in every Pixar film, there is something in it that is relevant or alludes to their next film yeah so I would seek that out as well there, there's dozens of articles about it out there yeah the
0: article and the other that YouTube is that you can fall into a hole of that kind of thing yeah. what they do in YouTube obviously is they can sort of show you the shot they're talking about and circle it and all that kind of thing yeah
1: but yeah definitely go out and seek those and sort of really look into it because they're so clever in the way that sort of you know Monsters Inc has the ball but also it has Nemo yeah and but the, but then Finding Nemo has the the pizza truck, but it also has.
0: Oh yeah, there's a point like in Finding One of my favorite ones is there's a bit in Finding Nemo where there's a kid sat in the waiting room reading a comic book, and you can see if you stop and zoom in that the, that the picture on the front of the comic book is Mr Incredible, yeah, wearing his original blue Mr Incredible suit, yeah, I, yeah, I love it, <laughs> I and love that's... It. Pixar man, what do, what just... did we what did we do to deserve uh... Pixar? And yeah, I mean, Toy Story is is special amongst the Pixar films. I think, yeah, it could because and it's because it is a franchise, and they've had other franchises like Cars. They've had three movies now, but it doesn't go anywhere near the sort of relevance and the importance of Toy Story. Yeah, I Um, mean,
1: Toy Story is like this monolithic phenomena mm. that stands head and shoulders above any other sort of Pixar works. And m- most other Disney works, to be honest.
0: And yeah, I mean, it, it like you say, it follows you through. Like for my generation, like for me, like the first one came out in '95, and I was I was a kid. I was like Andy's age, essentially. So to see oh, what if your toys came alive was just this eye opening. Oh my god, this is amazing! Yeah. thing. And then obviously your parents then had to go out and buy all the toys, and then you had your own Buzz Lightyear in the house, and all that, and it's all very exciting. And then you get into the second one and it's quite interesting because it's like four years. A lot can change in a kid's life in four years. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that would have been like going to secondary school. Yeah. And then you think about it in terms of the movie and it's like, well, in the second one, Woody goes outside of his original little comfort zone and he's confronted with a new set of people and essentially starts experiencing peer pressure from a new group of friends yeah. who start telling him, oh, you should be like us. You should be, we're going to be collectibles. And this is who you are, and like trying to tell him who he is, mm-hmm. and then he has to—he has this like saying identity crisis about these are my old friends, but then they're all about my new friends, and that was again lined up entirely where like where my sort of generation were at at that particular moment. Yeah, and then you get the ten-year gap, and in two thousand and ten, when Toy Story three came out, and it's all about Andy going to college and leaving his childhood behind, and that sort of heartbreak of that and sort of beginning, realizing that you have to let everything go and go and move on. Mm -hmm. That came out when I was just at the end of my first year of university. And a lot of people were like that. So I just remember like, um, you know, everyone that I was going to uni with, we all went to go and see it. We all basically had the same reaction, which was we were all blubbering messes by the end of Toy Story 3, because there's just, ah, that film, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing, like three was, by the time that three came out, I was, like, in a job and working. So I, lo- I fell in love with it, but it didn't have the same effect as... Like, Toy, Toy Story has always had this amazing effect for me, but because it came in a little bit later... Yeah. It's not quite had the formative part no, of me. Think, uh, so the- I've always recognised it as being these sort of incredible, just perfection in film, really. Hmm. But it's never been that thing that I've been able to sort of link my own life with yeah not even in hindsight because like you say in 2010 when it came out i'd been working yeah you know a job for two years being an adult and not looking at those things anymore and being like that's great i'd love to go and see toy story but i've got a lot of stuff to do i've got bills to deal with i need to do this i need to do that right yeah and it's and like two came out at a great time for me because i just fucking loved the film and but they've always been this such iconic and perfection in cinema for me. Yeah. But that's one thing that's always sort of made me a little bit sad is that I I was just a couple of years out of that, of being
0: Andy. Yeah. I feel very lucky that that's how it ended up for me. I basically followed Andy, even to a point where it's like, did they, are these evil genius, I imagine, was there not pressure on them to make a Toy Story 3 quicker between after the success of Toy Story 2? And they just they went no let's hold off for ten years so that we can make all these <laughs> all these like these seventeen year olds yeah these eighteen year olds yeah. at university cry their eyes out for ten years, in ten yeah. years time because that's what happened and it was just yeah. this I mean on so many levels that movie works. because not only do you have the the handing over part where Andy literally explains how important all these toys are to him and hands them over to a new owner which is heartbreaking in and of itself. You also have the scene that everyone always talks about, which is the moment in the furnace, yeah, where the toys. That was the bit that. That's the bit that always gets me. It's it's unbelievable that Bell. I watched it again this week, and what gets me is just the the amount of expression they're able to put into the faces by the time you get there. By the time you get to Toy Story Three, yeah, is incredible because you're able to convey so much, like. It's these people accepting, and I say people because they feel like people.
1: Well, they are. They're, and... they're, they're, they are their own characters. Woody is different to Tom Hanks, and yeah, you know Buzz Lightyear is different to Tim Allen. Yeah. They, there is there there is that separation that exists there, outside of the uh, the the characters themselves mm. have become the icons, as opposed to those behind the scenes. Yeah, and but just.
0: When you see them have that moment of accepting that they're going to die and going, it's okay, I'm here, hold hold my hand, sort of thing. And they say all that without saying anything. And that is a strength of not only the way they built the characters up in terms of the writing, but also, like say, the animation of the people behind it. They're able to convey all that in a look from a plastic toy. made it on a computer to another plastic toy made it on a computer yeah but you get it and it's just and it is completely hard my heart was in my mouth when that happened when i first saw it, i was like are they really gonna do that because i thought they might i was like oh my god oh my god this is actually gonna happen right now i don't know if i'm prepared for this um but yeah like i say i'm i feel i do feel very lucky that it lined up with me that way um, and there are other things that ha- that has happened with. I think, like my generation, is kind of similar with the Harry Potter franchise. Yeah. Like generally speaking, when we went to go and see one in the cinema, they would be the same age that we were mm-hmm. as the film came out, more or less. Yeah. Within a year or two. Um, and it is yeah, it's very rare that something like that will happen when a something called a cultural sort of or a series will line up.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the thing because like the original the Harry Potter books came out when I was at school but it kind of passed me by and I remember it being like GCSE's time or sort of like you know so I would have been sort of 16 for uh, our international listeners I was 16 in in what we call secondary school or what you would be like junior high Yeah. and it sort of passed me by a bit because I was at that point where I was a bit too cool for all of it and I was like I was going to go out and do skateboarding and (coughs) Not read about. Oh, I'm not going to read about magic and wizards. That's not cool. You know what's cool? Skateboarding, listening to, to Limb like, Biscuit.
0: It was like you was you had to read it because you, if you didn't, you were completely closed out of all the conversations. Yeah, like you can. <laughs> you know well, I mean? yeah, like,
1: and that's the thing. Like we've got that age gap. Yeah, is that at that point it was like, oh no, you don't read. You go out and you go on a skateboard or a BMX and you, you know, and you yeah. you do that and you hang outside and you've got a mobile phone now. And that's the thing. So that's
0: What was your high score on Snake? Oh fucking hell. I don't know. It
1: wasn't it was far too high. It's it's I wouldn't like to look at my destiny total time played either. So it's just let's just say high. Okay. Um very high. <laughs> Snake two completed it. Cause you could complete Snake and Snake Two. Um, that was a fun time. My dad got so cross on me, he took my phone away. But yeah, there were there were always things that like sort of brought me back into sort of my own childhood and being an adult embrace the sort of my immaturity as well as my maturity at the time. So like Pokemon is something that's always sort of stuck with me as well. Yeah. Yeah. Was yeah. something that from the like I said, I read about it in official Nintendo magazine hmm. when I was buying video games for the first time and being like, This game sounds really, really mad. And having no concept of how it worked, yeah. And I was, and then it came out, and it just took me on this cultural phenomenon, and it's still going to this day. Yeah, and but like you just say, with a, Toy Story, it's this sort of generational thing. Like I, I feel sorry for the generation before because they haven't gotten this. But
0: that's maybe again another reason why they are doing what they're doing and making another one. Yeah, because it is because it's something that I've always been interested in, and something that I. Talked about when I remember when Wreck-It Ralph came out. Yeah, is that what do they? Do? The other thing that I wanted to get into. I feel like maybe this is me being old. Do kids still play with toys as much? Yeah. Or because to my mind, and I going to sound like a real old man now, mm. but I feel like kids are more into electronic devices and having because they do get the, at a very young age they get their iPads or whatever, and they can and. A lot of kids' entertainment and stuff is geared towards that. Like even like things like in the in our country we got uh, the BBC, mm. and in order to compete, they create CBBC apps, which are games that they play on their tablets, which they love. Yeah, and kids will just get obsessed with that kind of thing, and they'll get really into that. So does that mean that what effect does that have on a toy? Do you know what I mean? And that's something that wasn't yeah. necessarily as big a deal for a kid in 1995. Because it didn't really exist. Well, you would... We, it did. There, it you, did. Had, you had Game Boys and stuff, but not to the same extent. There wasn't... You weren't, inundated, you weren't like, kid. now there's, like, concern about kids' screen time and all that sort of stuff.
1: There was still a thing back then. Yeah, That's, but not as
0: much as it is now, surely. Well,
1: so the, the difference that we have now is that... So when it was... When I was a kid, so in 1991, I think it was, hmm. my brother got a Game Boy for Christmas. Yeah. And it was just that was it. Like every everybody all day was on it. Yeah. My parents were mad about it. My both my brothers were mad about it. I would try and get in as much as I could, but I was too young and couldn't play it and blah 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 blah. But from then on, that was it. There was always some sort of video game thing there. Whereas with both of my brothers who were really, really into sports, the video games thing stuck with me. So it was The my next my eldest brother got Super Nintendo, and Mm. then after that it was all I got the Super Nintendo off my brother, and then it was all consoles for me ever since. But but that's the thing we've always been connected with the electronic side of things mm. in one way, shape, or form. So it's it's the fact that television came along and they're like, "There's too much screen time. Why are kids watching television all the time? It's just going to rot their brains." Outside's there, yeah. They've just made it smaller and put it in your hand.
0: Yeah, I and guess so. we're
1: connected to more things, but it is still... If you put nothing on it, you're still staring at a screen for
0: hours on end. Yeah. I don't know, I just guess, like, when that happened then, when you started getting into the Game Boy and all the rest of it, was there yeah. not a sense that you stopped playing with toys in the traditional sense? Because you, you were playing... Um, you t- the, your your, your playtime mm-hmm. was taken over... By the snares or, or whatever that, yeah. the new console happened to be, and it meant that you, any actual plastic action figures or whatever you happen to have sort mm-hmm. of fell by the wayside. There and must that's, have been a bit of that. Do you know what I mean? There is, but it it
1: changes the way that you look at things. So rather than so a kid that's got a Nintendo, so a kid that's got a Switch, and a kid that's got action figures, mm. they're still going to get bored. Yeah. They're still going to be like, don't want to play that now. Yeah. I've, got, I've got cousins and nephews and my friend's kids who will play a game on the phone and they'll lose after a while and they'll be like, I'm bored now. Yeah. And they'll want to do something else or they'll start acting out well, so you I... give them something to distract it. My cousin, My second cousin, his favourite thing in the whole world is a farmyard set that he's got. Yeah. His second favourite thing in the world is a game called Kick the Buddy. <laughs> you know, which is just a fucking ad gallery. So it's yeah. like you get to attack this little doll with different things, and it spins all over the place. And then you're like, "Oh right, okay, so you have destroyed it. Play again. Mm. You watch an ad. Play again." But it gets to a point, and he'll just he'll just put it on the he'll just give it to you, mm. and he'll go and pick up a sheep and a cow and start playing in the farm set. Yeah, and kids then, have yeah. always had different distractions, yeah, I but I, I think. Know. I think it's just it's the accessibility. Yeah. Is it's become it's so much easier for kids for us to see it yeah. because we didn't have the same level. No. So the generation above us that were looking at us like
0: oh fucking
1: Game Boys. We didn't have a Game Boy. We had a Nintendo. We had to sit in front of the television. You only had a meter long cable. Yeah. And before that, it was like oh, you got color. You got color games. <laughs> yeah. We had Pong before that. And they're yeah, like oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
0: you know like, yeah. I but it. that's
1: the thing. Looking at. I think Toy Story has done the clever thing of not making video games the villain.
0: No, I would, I don't, I'm not necessarily saying the villain. I think... No, no, no. What I would say is, like, it'll be interesting to explore. Like, I feel like the... And and it's the same for adults as well, but I feel like the war for attention Yeah. when it comes to kids is, like, more... Like, it's an arms race, and at this point it's crazy because yeah. it's just, it'd like... It's a war for your eyeballs, mm-hmm. like isn't it? And that's the same for kids as it is for now. So there's so much, con- like stuff being thrown at them i feel like that's been exacerbated by the by the technology that they have access to now but then the other element of it which i think would probably be more interesting like i say not making video games the villain is do kids when kids play video games do they identify with those characters and do they have affection and and the same sort of feelings towards the characters that they're mm-hmm. playing. Because in a sense, there is there could be more of a connection with it. Although it's not something that exists in the real world. It's not something you can pick up. You control what they do. So you feel like they're you. Or even to a point where things like Fortnite, where you create your character. Mm-hmm. And then is there a point where like there'll be Woody, is sat there just waiting to be played with. And he can just see out of the corner of his eye, this avatar that's been created, who they love. And they've spent hours... Dressing up and then going into games with and playing with and playing as and that's their avatar and that's who they identify as. Yeah. And it would like would Woody become jealous of that thing on the screen? Yeah. Like things like that. That's interesting. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> but that's been done
1: in Toy Story. But it's just it was Buzz. It wasn't an electronic. I guess so. Yeah. It wasn't then... an electronic avatar. Mm. It was a new electronic light buzzing sound control. Yeah. I guess.
0: But I just yeah. It's. I think
1: in a lesser film would have done it i think if if pixar weren't as clever as they were they would have pitted like we said because that wasn't me saying that you're saying that they're making it the villain but what i'm saying is that i think in lesser hands yeah they would have gone yeah let's make it let's do this yeah because it's it's we can because but then they're sort of underselling things but if you go out and you look in and people said, what, what, i read an article a while back saying about like, the death of the toy store.
0: Mm. And people yeah. are
1: like, it's because of games. Yeah, toys, it's,
0: exactly. It's toys R Us that. isn't a thing anymore.
1: No. And people are like, oh, it's because you know kids have got mobile games now. They've got, they got their iPads, they've got their iPod Touches. What people aren't addressing is that Toys R Us is a big shop that existed outside of town centres. Mm-hmm. It wasn't easy to get to. What they didn't take into account for was Amazon. Yeah. They didn't take into this account. They didn't account, take into account property prices and the increase in rent and the way that austerity worked in this country, that it's throttled companies that work in a certain practice. People are too quick to say, it's because kids have all got iPod Touches Kids now. don't play with toys anymore.
0: Yeah, it's true.
1: It's not, because they were selling. They were constantly selling, but they couldn't compete with a company like Amazon that doesn't pay tax and doesn't have a physical presence outside of a warehouse
0: yeah yeah
1: you know they've got these so many other things in place that made it impossible for that company to survive mm. that it's part of the wider death of the high street rather than toys or us being a victim of electronic yeah sort of the singularity so to speak yeah
0: and then i guess and then what that means is <coughs> like getting into the, the toy industry a little bit i guess we are is you get things like builder bear yeah. come along where you, it's a bespoke thing where mm-hmm. you go in and create it and that's now that okay uh, have you ever done the builder bear yeah. process all the way through at what point during that process do you believe the builder bear became sentient at no point in the if because, we were okay because if I we was were...
1: attaching a sock to a machine <laughs> and they were no, like right now you've got kiss it to bring it alive and I'm like I'm very uncomfortable kissing something that you've just touched with your hands that's been in that thing that many people have touched
0: Okay, right. Just go with me on this a little bit. Like, I get what you're saying. Just, just, just go with me. All right. Just, just have fun with it. Just have fun right? with it. Okay. Just improv. If you were in the world of in the world of Toy Story, where we accept that toys are alive, yeah. At what point during that toy making process does the oh, toy become alive? God. I mean, that's. <sighs> I I couldn't say. I know, but it's but because it's. it's...
1: it's... It's like I, like I said. Like I uh, said earlier, when I was saying about, at what point does the sentience happen? Mm. At what point do they sort of gain not just consciousness, yeah, but awareness?
0: Well, that's the thing. I feel that's something they do really well in, particularly in Toy Story One. But they also they get into it in the other movies as well. Is the idea that they have this epiphany moment where they realise their toys? Yeah. And that's something that is really interesting, and it kind of reminds me like a little bit of stuff like Westworld. Like in Westworld, they have their a moment where they realise these robots, we're not real, we're not real people, we're stuck in a loop, we're being told what to do. And the toys have a similar thing, and obviously the the key one is Buzz, because the for yeah. the first half of the Toy Story, he believes he is Buzz Lightyear, and which is part of why it's so funny because he, yeah. he sees, but then he go, he sees an advert for himself. Sees an advert for, for himself and then
1: Attem- still doesn't believe it.
0: Attempts to fly, because Randy Newman said so in a song. Yeah. <laughs> no, it can not be true. I can fly if I want to do. This is such a good song. <laughs> is it a bit on the nose?
1: Yeah, of course it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's a fucking toy story, man. I know. Um, but, um, but that again, those are really interesting ideas. The idea of like, yeah. could a toy live its entire life not knowing that it was a toy? Mm -hmm. is it only because of the influence of other toys and who are they to awaken them? Yeah. Kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And And who
1: was the initial person to shepherd that consciousness into the first or second sentient toy?
0: Yeah.
1: At what point does a toy, as we've seen in the shorts that they did with Toy Story of Terror and Toy Story That Time Forgot. Yeah not so much in Toy Story at the time I forgot because that is about this awakening as you say like it's got the, that point where they're fighting against the video game system to be reminded of something tangible yeah. and the fact that the second it happens Bonnie immediately goes into play mode she's already built a fort in the 10 seconds that the kids Yeah. done it and then she starts messing around with everything else and that's all about new toys and being aware and not being mean yeah. and not being a bully and have fun and play with your friends, which I think that one is the closest it's come to making video games the villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, where, and like Toy Story A Terror is a very small version, a very, very small sort of reboot, remake of Toy Story 2,
0: almost. Kind of, I think, yeah, I think both of those, those little shorts, and if you guys haven't, if you haven't seen them, because they're not obviously the main movies, but they're like these little 20 minute, Basically, like TV, if they did a Toy Story TV show, this is yeah. kind of what it would be like. Um, and yeah, they're essentially they're both little character pieces. Yeah, one of them being for Jessie, and Jessie has an arc, and the other one being for Trixie, which is the new um, Triceratops um, dinosaur character that Bonnie has before she gets given all Andy's toys in Toy Story Three. Yeah, um, but they do like you say by doing this whole thing with the computer game system. And having the, they have this whole set of characters called the Battle Souls uh, in um, Toy Story: The Time Forgot, and they're like fresh out of the box on Christmas Day, and just continue as if they think they're real yeah. and they believe their entire backstory. That's another thing that interests me as well. is That like where do they do they get their backstory from reading the back of their box? Because like when Buzz tells everyone his backstory. There's that moment where Woody just tilts his head and realizes that he's just reading from the back of his box. Yeah. It's like, where do they get indoctrinated with all this knowledge? Yeah. <laughs> like, is uh, it a
1: prerequisite upon, upon the point of manufacture that this magic has entered them? Because spiritually, there wouldn't be that. There would have to be. Well, like I say, you've got it, it's it's this new doctrine that they've got. That children children aren't aware of religion when they're born. They have to be taught religion. But then, when these things are born, so to speak, as they come out of yeah. their chrysalis, yeah, uh, they're they're immediately aware of who they are. Yeah, they like, know who they are. They know their past, and they know what they do. He knows he's
0: a space ranger. He has to fight Zerg. He, he's yeah. like he knows all these things. Like, yeah. And where's that all that knowledge come from? I know. I think we're we're overthinking it a bit.
1: Much. Well, no, but but that's the thing. Like, we we definitely are, but. One thing that this universe does allow is is it actively encourages this stuff. This yeah. is why we're not giving these sort of definitive answers. And I know it sounds like we're waffling a lot, but what we're doing is exactly what Pixar want us to do. Yeah. And that they and want us to re engage our childish imagination to make these things happen in our heads.
0: Yeah. And that's exactly why I I am sort of happy or okay with Toy Story 4 happening. Yeah. Because there's so much more to do. And yeah there's so much more to get into, and i I do want to see what what is the next step for Woody as a character? What's the next step for buzz? what happens when they're confronted with new ideas? what yeah. are the new ideas? what else happens in the world? I'm excited to see that um and I know that that you know Pixar are they're protective over this brand that they wouldn't do it if they had Because like, there was another sort of story that went around at one point where between two and three at one point Disney were gonna make their own Toy Story three okay, separate from Pixar. Ooh. Yeah, and they had a whole concept about it. About the idea was going to be that there was a product recall for Buzz Lightyears, and he had to go back to the factory in in okay Taiwan. I think was it was yeah. Taiwan, um, and that was going to be the whole story. And then the toys were then going to have to ship themselves over to Taiwan to save him. I mean, that was the whole idea. Pixar were very much against it. Didn't like the idea, didn't think it, you know, and they basically sort of shut it down and renegotiated and managed to get control back. Yeah. And then made their own version of Toy Story 3, which is the Toy Story 3 that we have, which is much less of what that would have been, would have been just sort of an adventure with the toys, which is fine, but nowhere near as impactful or as, like, emotionally resonant as... We wouldn't have had
1: as much of a journey. No,
0: as Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3 is very much, it's a character piece. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, <sighs> yeah, when I say journey, I mean character journey as opposed to physical journey. It yeah, would have yeah. been a hell of a physical yeah. journey.
0: But then, I mean, just the physical stuff, like, again, Toy Story 3, there are some amazing sequences where the toys get to sort of be awesome. I don't know how else to say it. So you have to- Al's Toy Barn in Toy Story 2, is amazing, and then in 3 they have the whole long sequence where they're doing the prison break. Yeah. And the prison break is amazing, like the, the amount of ingenuity going on, like the bit where they f- they slide the key between the crack in the doors, and then they get and like
1: they use a series of elastic bands that are all tied up on one another to spring it across, and yeah,
0: and uh, the ingenuity of like the way Buzz is able to circumnavigate places, and and he like they figure out how to get through the window by launching him across, and Mr. Potato Head can detach all his individual parts, put them through a hole, and put be- them onto a tortilla. <laughs> And then he has a fight with a pigeon. <laughs> and it's just all these like in, it's so inventive and it's so yeah. and just as long as they keep doing that, I'll keep watching Toy Story movies. Yeah, forever. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's
1: one of like I say that's what sort of my reticence here is that I know that Pixar have got this amazing record.
0: Yeah,
1: but I'm so protective yeah. over these first three because they came out so perfectly. Yeah. And they came out, and they were always these these incredible moments. You're like, you're not going to be able to make a better film than Toy Story. And then Toy Story 2 comes along, and you go, you know what, you're not going to be able to make a better film than Toy Story 2. And then 3 comes along, and you're like,
0: That's perfect. Oh, fuck. That's like perfect. This is perfect
1: 3, and there, there is a clear end point in that. So I might come out tomorrow and completely... And this isn't me saying I think it's going to be bad. This is me saying I'm so confused is the main thing that i'm saying is because i would love to see more of this i need to see more of this but at the same time i don't want them to risk the problem that could okay it come out and be an eight out of ten film yeah because i've come to expect from toy story that this has got to be a 10 out of 10 yeah
0: yeah, I mean it's interesting because uh, like it's really weird how things are paralleling at the moment in terms of the coverage that we're doing on this podcast. Because last couple of weeks we did um, sets of movies, and then the fourth, and then the, the new one, the fourth one, yeah, or whatever, and they have been disappointed. Like Men in Black was disappointing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: X Men was disappointing, but with this, what we've got is so the one what we're doing after Toy Story is Spider Man, yeah. And you have had the exact same comment to me about the MCU right now.
1: Yeah, same. I feel exactly the same.
0: You do and it's really interesting. They are literally side by side. They are the uh-huh. next one next two movies. So it'll be interesting to see how this conversation continues. Yeah. Into into talking about Spider Man because basically what you've said is you're happy if they were to say that they aren't gonna make any more Marvel movies now, having finished with Endgame, yeah. you'd be okay with it. Yep. Yeah. And in the same way, I feel that you feel the same way about the Toy Story trilogy. It's a definitive yeah. ending and that's it. Yeah. And you're resticent about there being more. Yeah. But at the same time, you're excited to see it. Yeah. That's, yeah. And Just, that's the thing, like I'm excited to see it, but I'm also
1: frightened to see it. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like there is a part of me that's like, this is unnecessary. This is there's a part of me. There's the old cynical part of me that's like, this is stupid, it's a cash grab, I don't think they need to do anymore, mm. which is just business. It's just how Hollywood yeah. works. But at the same time, there's a part of me that's like, they've got Key and Peele playing stuff like a duck yeah. and a bird. Yeah, and that, and, and like, or a, like a bear and a bird. And it's just like, this is fucking silly. But Reeves I'm desperate playing
0: to see it. Duke yeah. Kaboom. Yeah, Keanu
1: Reeves is playing a, a wind-up stuntman figure. You know, there's so much in this. Pe- Bo Peep's back, and I mean, there's the Forky. There's Forky. Forky's
0: idiot. like, Forky was the first thing they revealed about Toy Story 4, and that's when I, I sort of peeped my interest. I went, holy shit. Because we had, went on that long discussion just then about when do sentience begin with these toys, which is something people have talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. But they're literally, they're really going to get into it in this one, because basically what the premise is, is that... There's a little spork and Bonnie puts googly eyes and a pair of like feet and arms arms on it. And then it becomes alive and becomes a toy. And then you go, well, holy shit. What the hell does that mean? Does that mean you could put googly eyes on anything and it could become alive? Yeah. If I put googly eyes on this microphone, would it then become a in the world of Toy Story? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then, right, I want to explore that. Like give me half an hour's worth of a movie just talking about that. I'm yeah. totally down. <laughs> like, and so when, that's when I first started going. Oh no, they know what they're doing. And up till now, in you know, all the other clips and things they've seen, which has been very minimal. Yeah, it's basically one trailer, and I feel like they really are sort of burying the lead. They're they're not giving much away at all. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what actually happens.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like I really want to see where it goes. And, and we're about
0: twelve hours away from it now. So
1: yes, we are. <laughs> right so I think to be honest I mean we've covered pr- a lot we could go into so much more detail here we could go in yeah. we could be at this for another another however long we've been recording this for <laughs> which is quite a long time yeah I can imagine <laughs> but yeah without boring the pants off of everybody or just everyone getting fed up and turning off yours is, is how do you find the three in like, is there a ranking for you?
0: I've really struggled because like I say, I feel they, they build on one another so perfectly and they one doesn't work with it. Like they're all just these component pieces that build this perfect yeah structure. That is, if you took one away or said that, I like three, oh yeah, but if you hadn't had this in two, then in three wouldn't work. and. Yeah, I don't know. I love like I think the one that affects me the most in terms of getting me emotional is three. Yeah, and that's partly because of when I saw it the first time it came out and the legacy that I had with those characters at that point because yeah. I literally had grown up with them even though yeah. they were on screen. Um, so three I think is probably always going to hold a special place. Yeah, for me. Um, but that's not to say I think it's necessarily the best one definitively. Yeah, it just might be my favourite.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like I I you I couldn't say, you know which are. I better than others in different ways but because it would do a disservice to one to say that three is better because it's built on the shoulders of the other yeah, two you it it couldn't work without it It yet. wouldn't work without it anyway it's, again but at the same time we wouldn't there's so many more things we wouldn't have if it wasn't for that and it is but very similar I would say to that,
0: marvel in that sense yeah but anyway go
1: on. but yeah i would say like two is the one that sort of leads it for me because that's the one that That's the one that I would go back to if I ever think, you know, I really want to see Buzz and Woody and all of his power, all their powers getting up to all these shenanigans. It would be too. Because, yeah, there is, like I said before, there are parts of three that feel more cynical yeah, and I get that. That's the way that it's aged, and that, and I get the bit with Lotto, and I get that. I get that whole thing, but two, it always felt the optimism was there, and it was fear was the main aspect for Stinky Pete because he was just like, no, no this is what we've got to do, because he knows nothing else. Yeah, and then everybody else comes around, and it's and he gets the potential to live a better life.
0: Yeah. Whereas, yeah, I think I can see what you mean in terms of when comparing it to Lotso. Lotso is a, like a nihilist. He thinks everything's fucked and we're all yeah. very, like... Lighty. Exactly. And so there's a lot. There's not as much...
1: And as someone yeah. that is somewhat of a nihilist in real life, I don't like to sort of see that in something that I take joy in. <laughs> and that's, that's not me being like, oh, I'm bagging on Toy Story 3 because it's all about nihilism and I'm a nihilist. I'm saying that it's, it makes me so sad to see it in such a joyous way. Yeah. And then, the, like, so that's why I would go back to two more, is because mm. you get to see, like, Jesse and Bullseye brought into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, true. But then, like, I'll tell you what's interesting about that whole thing about Lotso, actually, is so I was reading this earlier, is that test audiences, so there's a point at, towards the end of Toy Story 3 where they're at the dump, and Lotso ends up with our team, and there's a point where they lift him up and he is able to press a button that would stop the conveyor belt yeah. and save them. And he doesn't. Yeah. And he leaves them. And that's when he becomes like, Right, before he was an understandable villain. That's just pure evil. <laughs> there's no, there's no yeah. but what was interesting is I remember I was reading that in test screenings, audiences said or one of the biggest bits of feedback they had was they wanted him to redeem himself and press the button. Yeah. Where do you stand on that? Um, Given what you've just said about Lotzo, and
1: that's the thing. I think because the way that he's portrayed and the way that he's gone through, for him to turn or, turn around on a button push would sort of undermine a lot of the character work that they put in, and to, to yeah. uh, would undermine. His, like you say, his nihilism and his output on that, for him just to press that button and be like, well, fine.
0: Yeah, but I think it's... The case and he's... then it,
1: him be forgiven mm. is different to him being steadfast in his way and being like, no, this is the way it is because we saw how quickly he turned around when he stopped Big Baby yeah. from getting up to go and see the their their girl. We saw how quickly... To, no, she's done with us now. Hmm. And that was... Big Baby could have gone back in there.
0: Yeah, and... Um, because it was Ch- only
1: Lotso. And Chuckles. Yeah, exactly. Both of those could have gone back yeah. in there. Chuckles. <laughs> but Lotso saw that he'd been replaced. Yeah. And that was his whole outlook from there. The whole thing had been marred for him. Yeah. And he was quite happily to let people suffer for his comfort. Yeah. So for him to turn around on just a button push... I feel like would have undone, like I said, the layers of sort of character that they would built into that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's a, it's a bit of a double edged sword because, like I say, up to that point, I feel like he was a more understandable and relatable villain because he would be like, yeah, I completely get why you turned the way you turned, and like, like, I know you know he projected everything onto Big Baby, and that is a you know nasty shit thing to do, but the heartbreak that he feels yeah. from, like, can push people to do things like that. So that all made sense to me. And it wasn't until that, his denied, his not pushing the button, that it was like, oh, no, you're evil. Yeah. That was when he was like, there's no ambiguity about that. Yeah. By not pushing that button, you are pure evil. Yeah. <laughs> like Exactly. And so that, to me, it makes him less interesting, I guess, as a character, because he just becomes, he, no, you're evil. But... Yeah. Like I say, there is that they've spent so, enough time building up his out his worldview and his outlook that it, it fits the character and it does make sense. And I'm glad that again, Pixar being very steadfast, knowing what they want, mm-hmm. they clearly had they had that feedback, and they still choked They went, no, that doesn't work for our story. Mm-hmm. This is what's going to happen. He's gonna, he's not going to push the button. Yeah, and what's going to happen is going to happen.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the thing. That's what elevates Pixar to sort of finalise, really, for me, what elevates Pixar above that is that their knowledge of what they've got. Yeah. Their understanding of what they've got. Their understanding that if people see that, they're going to have people go, yeah, he's redeemed, that's good. Maybe he can come into the fold as well. Or him walk off into the sunset. Yeah. None of those endings would have felt as tight or as tidy. No. It would have felt like a disservice to one person or somebody else. Would have been a bit. Some people would have been like, that's great, that's brilliant, that's exactly
0: what we all wanted, which is what Pixar don't want. No. So. And they're always pushing themselves. Like there's stories about like. Toy Story 2 was an example of that, where at one point, I think John Lasseter and the guys just came in and went, this is crap. And they literally redid the whole movie. From like with seven months, I think it was like eight months left to go. They yeah. just deli- they just scrapped it, rewrote the script, and said the only thing they kept was the owls toy barn sequence in the middle. Yeah, everything else was new, and they had to create it from scratch uh-huh. over an eight month period because they it wasn't perfect, it wasn't what they wanted. Yeah, and like that again, that attitude, as long as that is continued up to this stage, and there's nothing to say it hasn't, I've got absolutely, I haven't got any worries about Toy yeah. Story 4.
1: And like you were saying with Toy Story 2, they did the same thing with a good dinosaur, yeah. You know, as much as yeah, the good dinosaur isn't it isn't gaff, but it's not.
0: It's not yeah, it's one that's got, sort of forgotten Pixar movie, yeah. isn't it? Um,
1: but yeah, and I think if Pixar, like you say, having faith in Pixar, I don't doubt their ability to build an absolute banger. But I just have got so many emotions going around in my head about it that I just need to get out and see it. Yeah,
0: and and like I say, it's going to be very interesting to compare our experience with this with our experience with Spider Man because I know you love Spider Man and you're excited to see a new Spider Man movie, but you have this resistance about continuing that series.
1: Yeah, Um, there's a lot, and that's something that we'll unpick in next week's week's Spider Man special. Is that, like, yeah, Spider Man is my guy, sort of thing. (laughs) and uh, there's so much that the films have done that's bizarre but yeah we'll get to that next week
0: yeah anyway let's wrap it up because it's been a very very long episode it has the, been a very long episode but these um, these films deserve it yeah. Um and you know they, there's a reason they're so well loved I don't think we've talked about most of them yeah um, so thanks for listening guys
1: yeah if you uh, yeah you can find us on all the socials again so Facebook Instagram and Twitter yep um, you can email us at theomcastpod at gmail.com yep and yeah I mean there isn't really much else to say we're going to be back with Toy Story 4 episode that's going to come out after this one
0: yep so we're going to do a special just a review episode and I think what we we are quite likely to do spoilers in that yeah. but we'll mark it we'll make sure we sort of have a clear line where if you haven't yeah. seen the movie yet duck out Um, But there'll be plenty to talk about. Um, So join us. Let's know what you think.
1: Yep. Um, We'll
0: see you next time. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Bye.
1: (laughs) Fuck. Shut up.